We read the Bible together. We're currently finishing up in Joshua. Can you believe we're already through our first book this year? Wow. So we're getting through the end of Joshua. And I'm going to be preaching on the end of Joshua because you guys have all read it already. Well, I'm hoping you guys have read it already. I've been sending out reminds, trying to text you, trying to encourage you to do that. And so um, we're, we're done basically with Joshua from our reading. Next week we start Judges. Oh, wow. Okay, so there's going to be some stark contrasts. And what we've learned these last three or four weeks about in Joshua, we're going to, we're going to see the stark contrast of what's going on in Judges. So we're going to dive into a couple passages of Scripture that... We, for those of us that have been reading in Joshua, we're going to review. We're going to look over it, and we're going to see, hmm. And um, hopefully you got some notes. Hopefully you're going to be in Joshua 22 and Joshua 24. Okay? And we're going, to, we're going to look at a couple of those passages. And then next week we'll dive, in, dive into Judges. All right, can you tell I'm a little excited? Had a little more coffee than I should have, but it's good. All right? So let's... And I'm just, I'm just excited about this sermon, so because... Um, it's not going to be a lot of theology. It's going to be real life, and we're going to look at it. Okay. Now, um, did you get a map? Did you find a map? Let's throw that map up there before we do the reading. If we don't have the map, that's fine too. I'll just go like this because I want to use the pointer. <laughs> All right. Okay, there it is. All right, so here is... Here is our map of where we are. This is the Canaan. This is the promised land. But over here we have three tribes that have gone on the east side of the Jordan. When when Israel comes up and they conquer this land, these three tribes, or a half tribe here, Manasseh is a half tribe because Manasseh is over here. But you have three, two and a half tribes that say, you know, this is actually really good land. We like to stay here. And Moses at the time says, well, okay, but you have to go and help conquer the rest for your brothers. Okay? And so we'll leave that up there until I have some scripture. Well, actually, let's just read some scripture. Okay, so let's turn to Joshua chapter 22, verses 10 through 34. So we're going to do 24 verses here. Then we're going to do 13 verses verses someplace else in Joshua. But we're going to look at some things and we're going to look at, look at what's going on. So let me read to you. When they came to uh, Gelioth near Jordan in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan at Gelioth, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. Now, just like many of the narratives... You get a, a brief picture, and then you get the sort of the description later. So here we go. 13. So the Israelites sent Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. With him they sent ten of the chief men, one from each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of a family division among the Israelite clans. When they went to Gilead... To Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they said to them, The whole assembly of the Lord says, How can you break faith with God, with the God of Israel like this? How could you turn away from the Lord 
and build yourselves an altar in rebellion against him now. Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Up to this very day, we have not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though a plague fell on the community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow we will be angry with the whole community of He He will be angry with the whole community of Israel. If the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar of the Lord our God. When Achan, son of Zerah, was unfaithful in regard to the devoted things, did not wrath come on the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sins. Then Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, The Mighty One, God, the Lord, the Mighty One, God, the Lord, He knows, and let Israel know, If this had been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us to account. No, we did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, What do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you. You Reubenites and Gadites, you have no share in the Lord. Your descendants might cause us to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said, let us get ready and build an altar. But not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follow that we will worship the Lord at his sanctuary with our burnt offering sacrifices and fellowship offerings. Then in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, you have no share in the Lord. And we, and we said, if they ever say this to us or to our descendants, we will answer, look at the replica of the Lord's altar, which our ancestors built, not for burnt offerings and sacrifices, but as a witness between us and you. Far be it from us to rebel against the Lord and turn away from him today by building an altar for burnt offerings, grain offerings, and sacrifice offerings, other than the altar of the Lord our God that stands before his tabernacle. When Phinehas, the priest, and the leaders of the community, the heads of the clans of the Israelites, heard what Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh had to say, they were pleased. And Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, said to Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is with us, because you have not been unfaithful to the Lord in this matter. Now you have rescued the Israelites from the Lord's hand. Then Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the priest, and the elders returned to Canaan from their meeting with the Reubenites and Gadites in Gilead and reported to the Israelites. They were glad to hear the report and praise God. And they talked no more about going to war against them to devastate the country where the Reubenites and the Gadites lived. And the Reubenites and the Gadites gave the altar this name, a witness between us that the Lord is God. What a great story. I mean, what an amazing story if you start thinking about this. An amazing narrative about what happened. You know, when I I first read this, I thought, man, those Jews over there on the 
west side of the Jordan. A bunch of hotheads. They're ready to kill people. What's going on? And didn't that sound like it was like, oh, here they go again. They're going to go to war. I mean, didn't the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe and Asa help them get the land and then so quick they're ready to kill them? What is going on? This is crazy. Right? But if you look at it and you take a step back and you look at all the stuff that we've read previously from Genesis all the way to now, we see that in fact those ten tribes, the nine tribes and the half tribe are now very zealous for following the Lord. If you look at Deuteronomy Chapter 13, verses 12 through 15. This is Moses talking to the Israelites before they take the land. And he says this. If you hear it said about one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you to live in, that troublemakers have arisen among you and have led the people to the, of their town astray, saying, let us go and worship other gods, gods you have not known. Then you must inquire, probe, and investigate it thoroughly. And if it is true... And it has been proved that this detestable thing has been done among you. You must certainly put to the sword all who live in that town. You must destroy it completely, both its people and its livestock. So why are these guys all up in arms? Why are the, these, these ten tribes, if you will, on the west side of the Jordan all up in arms? Because the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar? Because of this very passage, like, wait a minute, are they, are they, are they going to be sacrificing there rather than going to the tabernacle where God has called us to go? But they're already setting up an altar? Ah! We need to obey the Lord. We need, to be, we need to be zealous for him. This is one of the few times that the Israelites are actually doing wholeheartedly what God has asked them to do, what Moses has asked them to do. But did you see in the passage... Moses is directing him, go and investigate. So they send one, ten guys and Phineas. And it's interesting that they send Phineas. They don't send Eliezer the high priest. They don't send Joshua, who's old at this time. No, they say Phineas. Why? Why should Phineas be the one to go and investigate? We've seen Phineas before, have we not? Phineas is the one who in his zeal for the Lord during the time of the sin of Peor, when people are having sex everywhere and they're as a part of worship in, in the middle of the tabernacle, he gets a spear and he skewers them because they're breaking the, the law of the Lord and they're doing it in front of the Lord. So Phineas is sort of known about, hey, we're going to check things out because I want to follow the Lord. So they send Phineas. So Phineas goes with each of the representatives. And there's ten. Even though there's nine and a half tribes, there's ten. Someone's representing Manasseh on the west side and the rest of the other tribes to go and find it. Let's figure things out. Let's figure things out. And so what we see is what the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe Manasseh, they make, it says, a very imposing altar Meaning, you can see it from far away. Okay? Now, the altar that was done on the actual, on the tabernacle, to, 
to sacrifice. There's very specific dimensions. This is a bigger one. This is a huge one, but it's important because it's a replica of the actual altar that is found within the tabernacle. Okay, not all altars are created equal, okay? In fact, later on we will see when we're going to the kings that um, Ahaz, one of the kings in, in Israel, in Judah actually, can't do an altar to Baal with the altar that's already there within the temple. He has to make an altar, changed altar, that's different, like the one that was in Damascus, and he puts that within the temple too. And so there's two altars in there, one for God and one for Baal, which is an outrage to God, obviously. And Hezekiah later makes restitution and gets rid of all those things. There's different altars in different shapes. So it's significant that, that the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh decides to make an altar that looks just like the altar that is found in the tabernacle. Because it's like, because we worship Yahweh. Not some other God, but Yahweh. And it's so big and imposing, it would be really impractical to sacrifice on there. And they point that out to the the delegation that this is this is not for sacrifice this is a replica of the altar so that you guys know that we too follow Yahweh even though we're on the east side of the Jordan even though your descendants may say hey who are you guys this is the promised land this is not the promised land where you're at but this is the problem you have no point you can't follow the Lord they're like no 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 we're part of this and he, they're, they're afraid that generations people will forget of what they have done. And so they're making a, with stones and in shape, probably, probably wood. I'm not sure that they would do the whole thing, just like a brazen. Oh, but it was, it was a replica, okay? But it was a witness so that later on people couldn't say, you have no part of this. No, we serve God too. We serve Yahweh, the Yahweh, the Lord, the real God. And he, they were making sure that later generations, they would not forget that they too were part of the inheritance. Okay? So, Phineas goes. They ask the question. They think, this is what you're doing. They say, no, 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 we're not doing it. We're not doing it that way. And so... It pleases the reason why they did it. Okay? Notice they didn't make anything in the shape of anything other than the altar of God. I think they're very intentional. In fact, they don't want to make it like any kind of, some kind of graven image. They just were trying to associate with the worship of, of Yahweh. And so, cooler heads prevail. They don't have to go to war. Everybody's happy. And everybody goes back and they're pleased. It, it makes Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe Manasseh, oh, we're following God. Phineas is so excited. Goes, I think God is with us. Because there's harmony in the inspection. Now, later on when we get to Judges, there's going to be a rash to judgment again. No one's going to go in and ask questions. And we're going to see one of the tribes almost completely slaughtered. But this is a good example of what's going on. 
sometimes when we see things, we assume the worst of people. Don't we? Can I tell you, one of the biggest fights that Barb and I have, yeah, I'm talking about us, (laughs) is that I assume the worst of my wife and her motivation for doing things that offend me. And Barbara always comes back to me, I'm sorry, how long have I been married to you? I mean, do, I, do you really think that I'm out to get you? Because I'd have killed you long ago. <laughs> and and it, it was like, it startled me. You know, you're right. I know you're on my side. Well, you're not my enemy, right? I have to get a little, you know, a little knock beside the head. Figuratively. I'm not, I'm not saying you can hit me. Okay. Uh, and so sometimes we just need to get reminded. And so it's good that we do investigative to ask questions. You know, one of the things that I, I, I so admire about, so I'm calling you out, Sherry Andrew, is that you ask the honest questions. Sometimes questions that make things a little awkward. It's like, so I was like, oh, uh, well, here's the answer. <laughs> But it's honest and it's good and I love people that do that, ask questions. Listen, one of the things that I love about Jeremy that I'm missing because now we're only, what, five sixteenths into the Jeremy sabbatical and is that we, I, he doesn't ask me the tough questions. I mean, he asked me questions like, hey, how are the Astros going to do this year? But that's not a tough question, okay? But I mean, he, he does the investigation, how are things going? What's up? Okay. And so sometimes we need to do some investigation. We don't need to assume the worst, but we need to find out what's going on. That will go a long way to el- eliminate disagreements, misunderstandings. And because they did the investigation, no one died in this endeavor. Oh, that is good news. So, that stands, and this whole altar isn't called an altar, it's called a witness. It's called a witness between you and me. That God, Yahweh, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is God. That's the witness. So, you know, you have someone from Ephraim, you have someone from Gad. Hey, how's it going? See that big right there? You know that Lord is God? Yeah, I think the same thing. It served as a good witness for both of them, either side of the Jordan. Now, where is where is Jelioth? Where is Jelioth? Where is that at? We don't really know because we don't, in the New Testament, we don't have a Jelioth. We think it's close to Galilee. Have we heard that before? Yeah. So close to the Sea of Galilee, closer to where if we, oh, the map's gone. Okay. So probably up in that area so that. And it was big and imposing, you can see it. We don't have it anymore. It's not gone. I mean, it's gone. Probably happened, got taken down sometime during the judges. Just, just a, a guess on my part. But anyway, so let's go, let's go now down to Joshua 24. And oftentimes we will read in, in the Bible and we will, people know that this is the last time they're going to be speaking to somebody else. In Deuteronomy, we have Moses, he sort of knows he's going to die, and he says, okay, this is what you need to know. 
this is the point where Joshua, who's very old now, he tells them, I'm going, I'm going to die. I'm going to be dying soon. But I've got some things to say to you before I go. Okay, so let's go to Joshua 24, starting in verse 14 through 27. And this is Joshua speaking to all of Israel. He says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And by Lord, capital L-O-R-D, this is Yahweh. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, then we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua's line in the sand. He has been in battle with them. He has made sure and tried to be honest with the distribution of the land, even though not all the areas are taken. He knows he's going to die, and he says, listen, you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. You must choose who you're going to follow. Let me just take a second. And sometimes not choosing is a choice. If you choose not to choose, you've still chosen. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But he's saying right now in line, you need to choose. You need to choose who you're going to follow. If you want to go back and, and serve the gods of your ancestors way out there by the Euphrates River, where Abraham and his descendants, what they served, or do you want to follow the God who your ancestor Abraham followed out to this land? Or you can follow the gods of the land with which you've just taken. The one that God felt like they needed to be killed and kicked out because they were so horrible. That's what their gods were doing. So you can choose them too. Well, I can't speak for anybody else. But as for me and my house, my covering, my authority, we will serve Yahweh. You listen, it begins at the top. Jeremy, 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 Jeremy and I talk all the time about this. We need to be accountable to one another. We want to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because we cannot give you what we don't have. If I'm not reading the Bible, I can't ask you to do the Bible. You should read the Bible when I'm not reading the Bible. Okay? We ask you, you should give your tithes and offerings. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you to do that unless I'm doing it too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, when I say, you, we, we should pray. If I'm not a prayer, prayer, -er, I can't give it to you and say, well, you should pray. So Joshua is saying, listen, everybody, choose who you want to serve. But you know what? As the leader of the Israelites, in my family, my sphere of influence, we are going to serve 
Yahweh. And that is probably the, the crux of this whole book. We see places where people didn't serve the Lord. They trusted money and it caused grief. And we have people where they didn't seek the Lord, what they should But Joshua, at the end of his life, says, guys, you should need to choose and need to serve the Lord. Verse 16, then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Okay, the first response to the people, oh yeah, 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 we want to serve God too. It's been, it's really good hanging out with God because God really takes care of you. He's, he's protected us, he's drawn us out of, out of slavery, he's been with us. Yeah, we're going to serve the Lord too. Look at Joshua's response to the people. You're not able to serve the Lord. <laughs> wait, wait, didn't he just, didn't just, just take it away from the people? He's like, choose who you should serve. And then he says, oh, you want to serve the Lord? You can't serve the Lord. Wait, what? Huh? He says, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. So he takes it a little bit away from them. He knows, okay, here's what Joshua's saying. Here's in scales terms. You're broken. You're going to make mistakes. You're going you're gonna to think you're following God and you're going to go, oh, look, a pretty flower. And you're going to turn off to the side. You're like, oh, squirrel. And you're going to go over there. And you're gonna, he knows the people because he knows himself. And he knows that it's, going to, it's not going to be so perfect. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Second time they've said that. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yes, we are witnesses. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. So the people three times have said, Yahweh's it. We're going to do it. Okay. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Okay, What it's just saying is he's recording the book of Joshua is what he's basically doing. So he's reaffirming the laws that were given by Moses. He's confirming it. He's making sure that's written. And he's also what happened during Joshua's reign or reign or leader, leadership. Okay. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. 
It will be a witness against us if you are untrue to your God. Okay, first of all, I'm pretty sure Joshua doesn't think that the stone actually hurt it. Okay, but he's putting a stone up there, a big enough stone that people will see it and remember. Wait, we said we were going to serve the Lord. Wait, we said we were going to serve the Lord. That stone will be a witness against you if you don't do it. Okay, it's something in place, physical, that will remind people that they were in the land to serve Yahweh. Okay, it's kind of a big, imposing stone. It's not big enough that it takes over a tree, but it's there under a big oak. Okay, to help them remember. This is why I love the Bible because it shows that people are just as broken as we are today. They are. And we need stones of witness in our life to remind us about God. We already have some in place. I know you're like, what? I don't see any stones. But we do. We have some stones. Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, communion. We do communion every week. Do you know that it's, it's a stone of witness? We do communion every week because we remind people of what Christ did for us. Every week. So we don't forget that we're, we're not responsible for getting to heaven. No, it's what Christ did. It's through our faith in Him alone that gets us to have that relationship with God for eternity. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, do I get any nods? Okay. Amen? All right, so when we do communion, it's not because um, we're just stuck in a rut. No, we do it because, first of all, Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. But second of all, it's a stone of remembrance to remind us that we won't forget of what that cross is all about. That we had God in heaven come down and die because no one else could do the sacrifice. No one else could be the sacrifice in order for us to be have our sins cleansed. That's a stone of remembrance. Okay? We also have other stones of remembrance. Okay? Jesus himself, isn't he the, the capstone? Isn't he the stone the builders rejected that's become the cornerstone? Yeah, he's the one that, that is, when you read the Bible, Jesus is all over the Bible. He's reminding us that he cares for us, he loves us, that he was willing to go to the, Go to the cross for us. And that he wants us to step in and to do likewise. Be like him. Come. Die to yourself. Carry your cross daily. Those are all euphemisms. Be like me. When we start being like Jesus, things start turning around. Okay? People, not always great. They killed Jesus. Hey, sometimes you can be treated badly, but it's still remembrance, a witness. How about you guys? Can you be a stone of witness? Why do you think we have life groups? So we rub up against each other. We can speak truth into each other's lives. We can remind people. Listen, there's times I get... I forget God. I know, like, what? I forget. It's all going wrong. It's all going to hell. I can't believe this. All... And then I have a brother 
or a sister in Christ that says, it's not all that bad. Can I tell you that God's in control? Oh, yeah. And then maybe he's using this situation to either make you stronger or maybe it's not about you. Maybe it's about somebody else. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, thank you. Thank you for speaking. What do you need to have stones of witness? Listen, one of the things that I do because I tend to forget about things is I get passages of Scripture that remind me of things that I need to remember. And I make them in big, bold print because I can't read the small print anymore. I make big, big font. And I tape it to my mirror. I walk in, I'm half asleep in the morning. Oh, wow, look. And I'm reminded again that God is in my life and he's working in my life in many and crazy ways. So there's all kinds of different stones of witness that you need to be a part of or you need to put in your life to remind you to follow God. Because, listen, the best way to approach God is with humility. Okay? We've got to approach him with humility and know that we are frail stiff-necked we tend to be selfish it's only with our involvement to christ that he can change put a new creation within us to follow god because we love him because of what he's done sound good that sound great ready father god thank you so much for all you do thank you lord that you have put things in our lives to help us remember to follow you And if we don't have that, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'll place more things in our life to help us remember to follow you. Because, Lord, we forget. (sighs) Help us to follow you in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, I pray.